the Commagers. I'm Brian Costello. I'm Jim DeSanto. I'm Katie. And today we are looking at Emerald Finale's five time, five, five time, I guess we'll say it that way, Oscar nominated film, Promising Young Woman, continuing our trend at looking at some of the best films of the COVID ravaged year. Uh, but first, as always, we most must ask the most pressing question of all. What are we drinking this episode? What does everybody have for us? I'm just having week? some uh, Four Roses. Excellent. Bri, why don't you, you go next? I am drinking from Mayflower Brewing Company, a brewery up here, Boomerang Hoppy Pale Ale. Oh, very nice. Yes, delicious. Um, Jim and I are doing the Peloton Push right now, which is Katie's self-appointed title for We Got a Bike and Now We're Trying to Be Healthy. So okay. I'm not drinking or having processed sugar for two weeks okay. but it also fits perfectly with this movie because i'm gonna get the two of you drunk and then fuck you up <laughs> interesting i mean yeah. i can't really what's, mess with you very much over there bro what's uh, which seltzer are you drinking <laughs> yeah you're uh, the one by the way who's i know told us not I to know, be cursing. but you know what we'll beep it we'll beep it yeah um this is a <laughs> of bubbly <laughs> Boobly. That was a perfect beep, wasn't that was it, right? Boobly. I, I did good. <laughs> grapefruit. I love the grapefruit bubblies. Yeah. Yeah, oh, they're fantastic. Um, all right. It is time for the rundown. Prior to this rundown, uh, I think that all of our fans know that our episodes are not kid appropriate. None of them. Um, this one in particular deals with very serious subject matter. So if there are young ears around, this would be the time to hit pause. Cassie thought she would become a doctor and was on the path to do just that. That is until someone destroyed her best friend Nina's life and Cassie discovered a new purpose in her own revenge. Now, instead of spending nights studying, she spends her nights finding the sleaziest predators in her town and making them regret their rapacious ways. When a former classmate reappears, she finds herself falling for him in spite of her man-hating man ways. She starts to think that maybe she should start moving toward, forward with her life. Then a twist of fate gives her the chance to avenge Nina's death, and she realizes there is only, way for one, only one way forward for her, and it is into the mouth of the beast. There we go. Uh, time for great. Oh, go ahead. We, we worked on that ending line. I know. And yeah, you, we, and I you know. Rarely, and then, we, but I didn't write it down. And that was my problem. The so belly, it's the belly of, of the, the beast. beast. Yeah. Or the, yeah. I think enough. I really wanted the mouth. I wanted the mouth of the lion. The lion. But then that wasn't a real thing. That's kind of a real thing. That's it like is. what the lion But we couldn't do. find put, it on the internet. They put their... Well, if it's not on the internet, yeah, it's we looked not true. for it and we couldn't find it. We found into you, the mouth of the manatee. Right, it's into the like, lion's den. Into the lion's which is like den. go to their like home so, turf. Yes, yeah, or the yeah. belly of the beast. I but, always remember the lion's den from uh, what's it called? Uh, the uh, Last Crusade. Mm. You, you oh, have yes. me go to Berlin into the lion into the lion's den. The belly of the beast always A makes me think of um, Jonah and the whale. Jonas, Jonah and the yeah. He and then, swallowed. yeah, From but he lives. The winds. But he lives. So then it feels yes. like, well, he was just hanging out inside of the belly. Yep. It wasn't so bad for him. He got to. Carry I still. On I remember a book I had as a child that showed him inside. The whale. The yeah, he just like whale. he made like, a little campfire. There were like other fish in there. Yeah, and he stuff. was just hanging yeah, out. It's, it's kind of like fine. a resort. Yeah, actually, a little oasis in the middle of the ocean. A little moist. Moist. Love it. All right. Let's not use that word. Yeah. No, that's inappropriate. Um. All right. It's time for grade of the week. Of course, on our usual scale of A plus through Chris Monero's The Rookie. Mm -hmm. um, by the way, we should have put that disclaimer that you put before you did the rundown in front, in of, front that of the whole rookie. episode. <laughs> yeah. We should like record one of those PSAs. So you know, they like the more you know, we could say yeah. your child doesn't need to watch. You this. don't need. You don't need to <laughs> talk about this movie. Do this no. Mm -mm. Uh, okay. What does everybody have grade wise for Promising Young Woman? Who would like to start? Mm. I'm going to go with an A minus on this one. Mm. Uh, I was feeling a strong 
a, a, I was in the A range. I w- am interested to talk about the ending of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yes. A minus. A minus. Jim. I am going with a B plus. Oh. Um, yeah. You are the hardest grader of the group. Yeah. No, yeah. that, and yeah, we're consistent. Yeah. Yes. Consistent. Uh, I am going to give it an A. Mm-hmm. I think it was somewhere between an A and probably along with Katie, an A minus. Uh, I think it goes up half a letter grade in my mind because I've been thinking about the film constantly since I watched it. So I think that gives it a bonus. You get a bonus if it's more than three or four days since you've watched a film and you're still thinking about things that were going on in the film. Um, right up there, certainly worthy of, I'll start out by saying certainly worthy of an Oscar nomination. Oh, sure. Um, yep. and, and right in line with the other Oscar films that we've seen this year. This is a pretty damn good year for the Oscars. Some years I think the Oscar films are, are not things that might still be interesting to watch and that plays out. I think the ones we've seen so far, this one and Judas and the Black Messiah are both going to be films that are worth going back to for years to come. Yeah. Mank, maybe. Definitely um, Ma Rainey. I, I would oh, add yeah. that Ma Rainey, to the list of course, yes. Well. But we haven't done that one yet. But yes, oh, that's sorry, another one. Oh, I'm sorry. We still I've haven't seen. done that movie. I know. Oh, we got to do it. We okay. talked about it. We're yep. waiting for David to watch it. We, he's he's <sighs> okay. got to. Yes. Gotta uh, okay. So. Let's get into the film. Um, I want to say, first of all, this was one of the films that was kind of greatly impacted by COVID. It was supposed to come out, I believe, last spring, and it kind of jumped onto the scene in a, in a pretty huge way with its trailer, which is, you know, we rarely talk about trailers for films, but this was a trailer that instantaneously made people want to see it. It, it used the imagery. It cut in the, the instrumental version of Britney Spears' Toxic. And it was it's one of those trailers. Like, I saw it and I was like, I, I don't know who this director is. Um, you know, obviously, I knew who Carrie Mulligan is and some of the other actors that they had in it. But it was like, this is going to be something different. I did not see the trailer um, because I was listening to Unspooled and they basically said they love the movie but go in knowing as little about it as possible. Um, and so I did that. That's what we did. Yeah. We didn't know yeah. anything about it. I well, had no idea what it was about. What's interesting to me is the, the trailer set me up, up an expectation in my mind for something that the film was going to be, and it wasn't necessarily that. So now I actually even went back and watched the trailer again. And I was like, you know what? I even like this trailer more now because it didn't spoil anything. And it still made me interested in the movie, which is ultimately what a trailer should be, I think. Mm. Um, Because it really the trailer itself made I felt that this movie was going to be much more of a like slasher horror. (laughs) Yeah, there's by the way a lot of horror that we can discuss in this movie, Mm -hmm. but a more traditional kind of horror movie. And I think the trailer worked brilliant in the fact that Aileen and I were watching and we start the movie and are introduced to her, um, Cassie's character. And we, the, I, you feel like, Oh my God, she's going to kill all these people. Mm -hmm. And she has the notebook making slight. And I kept saying Aileen, like, Oh, I saw the trailer. I'm like, this is going to be like a slight, like she's killing all these people. And that's, not what it is. So I almost had a twist to this movie mm-hmm. before before it even started, which I thought was pretty amazing. That it's doesn't a, happen. It's an often. interesting choice to not have her be violent. I think it. I think it. It's a. It's a good choice because it grounds the movie. In somewhat. reality, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think one of the most brilliant pieces of this movie is the casting. Mm-hmm. Specifically, if you look at all the people that sort of end up being complicit in the horrible behavior and illegal activities that have been perpetrated um, against her friend Nina and, and, you know, 
even the guys that she is, you know, um, you know, teaching lessons to at these bars, they are all the, they're almost all the good guys from all yeah. the movies and TV shows. And yeah. even Alison Brie, who is the, is the Alison Brie and Madison and, um, Connie Britton. Connie Britton. Tam Tammy Taylor. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And, and they are all, they all, I think, carry a little bit of baggage from other roles. Bo Burnham specifically. If you've ever seen Eighth Grade, which was his, he wrote, directed, he plays the father. He is an extremely likable guy. And he is extremely likable up until the final third of this movie. Yeah. And I think that speaks loud and clear to like the the idea of like what what they're trying to accomplish in this movie is showing not just bad people but showing a culture and a system that has kind of been put in place to you know basically allow this and and almost celebrate it yeah to happen well, yeah. it's interesting because they were able to move. I guess originally the intention when they they got the money to fund this film, which, by the way, to me, this film alone shows some more positive trends in films that are being made like this was financed through Margot Robbie's production company. So, you know, as much as I, we knock sometimes me personally, some of these big budget like movies that aren't great. It does allow these actors to make money and mm -hmm. get funds to then go fund something like this, but they were going to have to film it in Cleveland. Um, but then they were able to switch it to LA thankfully. And by switching it to LA, they were able to get all of these people because most of these people only shot for like a day or two days, but they could afford to get all of these people. And like you're saying, Jim, the idea of casting all these people who are the good guys to play that perception of what we have on people like you're instantaneously drawn to them like, oh, that's Adam Brody who sets up the whole movie, right? Like that's Seth yeah. from the OC, yeah. the ultimate like guy who was set up as the sweetheart in that show, teen idol, all this type of stuff. And he's acting like he's the supposed good guy of even within his group. And then to start out the movie that way is it's powerful without having to like you can get the power of that scene and what's what she's doing and how she's being treated by just casting it or by just casting Connie Britton as the Dean, because she's the mom that everybody loved. And she was always the most ethical person. And the fact, you know, the fact that she would do this, she should always be right. Yeah. Yep. And, and that's pretty brilliant that they're able to, and that they're able, these people were willing to take these roles because let's be clear, the male roles in this movie, um, are what they are and to be willing to play them. They're, they're kind of all dirt bags in many ways. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're to say yes. the least, you know, There's these only, are not the only redemption for uh, the only male character that is not a complete asshole is her father. Right. And he's lost. Yes. He yes. doesn't know he's, what to do. No, he, he can't. This movie does not do anything for women who are already struggling with the male species. Um, I, I left it feeling hatred towards my husband. Yeah. And he's been nothing but wonderful to me. But it just like uh, the message you get from this film is like all men are scum. They are all absolute assholes. And some women. And some of the women too. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's bad. I mean, it's not fair. Yeah. And like everyone's and, a predator. And, and that is another thing that good that I think is handled very well in this movie is that it moves beyond these guys and their mm -hmm. boys will be boys kind of thing into examining some of the women that are kind of in the, in that that sphere and then even alfred molina plays this lawyer who was clearly hired to you know settle these cases or or embarrass these women to the point where they did not want to take legal action um like really starting to examine again like even a whole industry around this awful scenario well the fact that they had to have a whole industry right like he right. even says that like oh we get bonuses bonuses right. for every one of these that wouldn't even go to trial everyone right. that would be like dropped would be that and i thought it was interesting even in his casting right 
because he does play despicable characters a lot of times in movies. Right. And his, it, his is the reverse journey, though. In yeah, this movie, but right? he's like the almost he's the only one that is contrite. He's the only one to that really seems to have any kind of emotional toll placed on them or willing to accept right. any of the responsibility um, for it. And I think in a lot of movies that what's interesting in most movies, like where they they handle like an assault of a woman and it's a trial and stuff like that. The defense attorney is always the evil character, right? It's always, and there's never any really redemption in that area. And I thought that was played in a way that was interesting that you, that there, it showed that there are people that can feel um, that they've been, they've done wrong, you know, and there are people who are willing to do that. It's interesting. Like thinking about this movie, like I, I have thought about it a lot, but I don't really want to talk about it. Yeah, like this it, is a very difficult movie to talk about yeah. because it, it is a very difficult topic to discuss. You know, um, it and the brings rea- up yeah. the very real fear yeah. that half of our population lives with. And so just right there being very vulnerable, every woman that this is the fear that you live with. And I would imagine that it doesn't leave you until the day you die. Um the the fear of sexual assault is so real in in our society. Um, raising daughters in the world that we live in is terrifying to me because um, it's not a safe place for women. This is not a, this is not a safe place for women, and this movie exposes that. And it is v- a very uncomfortable reality to sit in. Yeah. Um, so I mean the 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 dark humor element of the movie. I enjoyed, but also found problematic at times. But it's also like the pop. It's twisty visuals right? too. Yeah. So like, you know, there's a, fu- there's, there's some, yeah, there's some visual gag to Alison Brie walking into your main character's family's living room and their house is ridiculous. Right. <laughs> and it's, mm. you know, everything's covered in plastic and it's mm. gold and pink. And Alison Brie is like, where the hell am I? Um, and there's, you know, there's definitely a message there about, you know, her sort of being stuck in her childhood home and mm-hmm. it's, it looks very like pretty, pretty princess. Um, and she has this incredibly dark mission in terms of, you know, what she believes people to be and what she knows people to be. Um, so there, there is absolutely a purpose to all of that. Um, but in in the way that the plane lands, I, I don't know if it all comes together at the end. Yeah. So let's we should we should talk about the ending because I think that is going to be where people divide on this movie as far oh, as it whether is. it's a yeah. good film or not. I think people I think the, the vast majority of people would say they like it. I think what's stopping people from praising it even more is the ending like you get a lot of people are commenting like movie thought it was a great movie but the end i don't know if it was unexpected just didn't like the direction i mean you we we can each talk about it yeah so we have all have different interpretations so the end of the movie um carrie mulligan's character goes to the the bachelor party of the the man who uh raped Raped her 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 best best friend. friend And I would just pause and say, if you want to watch the movie and you have not yet, this is the spot where you should stop stop. us, go watch the movie and then come on back because we're going to talk about the ending now. Um, And she poses as as a stripper to enter the bachelor party. She basically drugs all the the groomsmen and, and men that are invited with vodka laced with something. And she gets the groom alone in a room where she is going to... It seems like she is going to carve her Nina's name, her friend's name, mm-hmm. into, into his, his body, st- into his stomach. Yeah, like, um, and there's a great the before that moment. There is a great kind of soliloquy or 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 you know s- speech that she gives around why that's significant about the names and and how she wondered how many people had said Nina's name while people are speaking so highly of you um and, and yeah that part is pretty powerful and and that 
to me, that sort of sums up the, at least some of the theme of this movie. And then I think they, they basically, you know, um, they rely a lot on, on revenge films here because mm. it's almost a, a constant theme in those kinds of movies that no one comes out of these things clean. Yes. And, and I'm okay with that. That yeah. feels like reality. Um, my problem was the consistency of her character yeah. because she thinks through everything. We see that she is a highly intelligent human. Everything is planned out. You could talk through her encounters with the men at the bars in terms of like, you know, I wondered like, does she carry, yeah, does she have she mace wasn't. with yeah, her? Is like, is there, yeah. and does she carry well, yeah. any weapon? Like if this situation goes wrong or, do, or is she to a place where she doesn't care? Right. right. Where, where like, that if that's how it goes, she doesn't of, care of because that. that's what like, happened to Nina. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. I was, I was all in on that. However, moving into this scenario, she had thought through drugging every other person in that house um, and setting things in motion beforehand with the possibility that she might not come out alive. Yeah. Knowing that, I expected her to have something more than like toy handcuffs well, with the plan that she had, right? The plan that she yeah. had was to like literally carve someone. But I just think, thinking about that. I think that was, yeah, I think emotionally in her thinking her thinking emotionally she she does not want him drugged or anything in that moment yeah and you know it is i think and and so what happens is he breaks out of the handcuffs while she's trying to carve uh you know into his stomach and he ends up suffocating her and killing her with the pillow over the course of like two minutes and i and i want to talk about that Two minutes. So again, so like, what's the purpose of the film, I, right? What's the purpose of the film? Because if this is supposed to be some feeling of redemption, like as no. a woman, I'm watching those scenes where she's taking those guys into their houses and I'm like, hell yes, like tell, give it to them. When she like wakes up from being this drunk woman who's going to get assaulted and shows them like, oh, I mean, that jokes on you, amazing. amazing. To sit as a woman and watch him kneel on that pillow and suffocate her, yeah. like I don't, I, I, I'm sorry, but that's going to uh, watching that as a woman, that's going to hurt a whole lot more. And so you just took me on a whole ride where we like we got to do the revenge, we got to have the redemption, and then in the end we still get killed. Right. Yeah, well, but, I think painfully well, that was so. Very, but yeah. that was very purposeful though i think yeah she she sense. wanted to remind everyone of the power, the power dynamic the power physical dynamic, dynamic thought, that exists yeah, which was yeah. which was horrible i listen this film took me in so many different directions in, in terms of like the twist that it would take you know the tonal shifts that it would take at points you know where it went to this like weird romantic comedy thing with bo burnham for a little bit when they're in the the like pharmacy. Uh, pharmacy singing the song. I really, for the life of me, kept saying she's going to get up. She's going to be able to stab him somehow. You know, she's playing dead. And Aileen's like, no, she's dead. And she's going to like, I, I feel like in revenge movies, we're conditioned. And if you look at some of them, right? Like if you think of we haven't you guys put in the list, like comparing to other revenge movies, often the hero, Jim's right. They're covered in blood. They've done something. They've taken on some, but they walk away from it in some way. And well, not that, not really. So like that to me. I mean, when you look, they yes, physically walk. They away physically from it. walk away. Physically Unforgiven, walk away. specifically. I picked. That's I put true. that one That's... on the list because, you know, that movie's more about Clint Eastwood being so broken and damaged as a that character that he doesn't care about revenge at all. And he's going to go do these things. Um, when the, when the, uh, prostitute hires him or, or, you know, but everyone else around him is kind of like dealing with like the fact that they're along for this ride of revenge and how, what you lose it, what part of your humanity you lose. And I think, I think it's important in this film is that I think they're they're very much drawing a comparison between like 
how much humanity you lose from on both sides of, of this as far as sexual assault and rape. Like you as a woman, obviously there's there's awful consequences that that can follow you emotionally and for the rest of your life. And and you know, I think they're also kind of saying like these these hum these men on the other side are barely human. Like what, what, what's impact on them, right? Like there's, well, there's no impact because they didn't, they don't have, they don't have the moral fiber to be impacted almost. It, it I don't know. How, I don't know yeah, how to I think describe that, it. No, but. I think that that but, makes sense. But then to end what with her little like winky face that text to her ex-boyfriend, it brings this again, this weird twist at the end where it's like, are we supposed to feel satisfied mm -mm. that she gets the last word? She's dead. Her best friend is dead. This asshole who's responsible for killing two women, he's just going to spend his, not even his life. He's going to spend some years in jail. Well, he, right? he, well, maybe more. We'll see. Killing. We'll <laughs> see. Because here's how the story plays out. The two of them are going to be forgotten. These guys are going to be in the news for years and years. And with their money and privilege and male sense of things, they're probably going to get out of jail in a few years. So at the end of the day, like it was nice that she sent a text to tell them, like, look at what I did. But she's dead and her family mm -hmm. is destroyed. Yeah. And so it's more more lives ruined. And the the consequence for them is jail. Yeah. Well, I've read some people commenting on the fact that, like, in a way that she, the winky thing, it's like, and even not think through the plan sometimes that she, their interpretation of the character, I don't know if I agree with this or not, was that she always kind of knew she was going to die. Like, the behavior she was doing, the taking, letting these men bring her home and stuff, you know, this was the guilt she felt. And actually, even the director was saying, this one of the things she wanted to do in this is like she was talking about how women are able to um, take on so much stuff that happens to them personally, but the guilt that she as a woman feels when something happens to another woman that she felt that she could have helped stop and that like doing that and that that guilt was even more than if something had happened to her and like challenging that idea and in that respect i don't know if it's like what jim's saying with unforgiven is that she had made this choice that this was going to happen and if it meant her life was over then her life was going to be over but she was going to basically try to take all of these other people down no yeah. matter what the cost was to her personally now i don't know you know those are what people some people's take on it i don't know if that is a hundred percent the interpretation you can make of this or not yeah you know i think that she is also there's a question that people have which is how mentally stable is she in this you know at times like there seems that she's which would make complete sense with how she feels about this and the changing dynamic of the different storylines show that when she's going up and down like when she's putting faith in people like ryan right and then she that hears that he was there when Nina was being raped and she hears his voice on that video and she goes to him and we've already seen through the Alfred Molina character that she is willing to provide forgiveness. Like when Alfred Molina said, I did all this, I, I beg your forgiveness. And she was like, I forgive you for him to have said I was there. It was horrible. It was all this still like I, I'm a doctor. I help people like you can't you can't show it. It was all about him. And I think that that just like, does that just break her spirit to the point where she's going to that party and she's like, if I die, I die either way. I'm either going to do this to him or if they kill me, I'm going to get him some other way. Uh, it is a bit movie-esque in the end, right? Like the police show up at the wedding and she set up all this stuff. Um, but the ending worked for me in the sense that I didn't expect it, but I could see people being turned off by it as well i honestly i, I yeah it, this movie is very difficult to watch right at certain at certain points and other points it's very 
consumable. Like I, I am very much in, this is another director where I'm very much interested in what she does down the road. Um, there is one thing I find unforgivable in this movie and it's let it's, um, who is it? It's, uh, what's his name? I always forget his, I always forget his name from, uh, the new girl, Max Greenfield. Oh, Leo. It's letting Max Greenfield basically be Schmidt in this yeah. movie. Yeah. It, if you've ever watched the new girl and then you watch this, it is absolutely immersion breaking the moment he is Schmidt and they should have been like, dude, you can't do that. I don't um, think that I didn't watch that show. You don't think that was purposeful by him playing it that way? It had to be. Yeah, yeah, I, I do. And it, it, it is interesting because I, I feel like if they're trying to draw a parallel between that character and Schmidt to say like any regular guy, any regular Joe could would be help his best friend burn, burn a, body, a body, which if you've watched Making a Murderer, that does not work. You can't just burn a body. Yeah, I know that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, these guys are, are doctors. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. think they would know more. But. Yeah. You, that, yeah. But anyway, that to me was the only thing that's really unforgivable in this movie. I guess, like, I can disagree with the idea that it gets a little... So, like, yeah, if she's going there to die, I feel like she would have a better plan on how she would want to die. Mm. And she knew she was going to die because she set everything up, right? So, like, that that's part of the issue is that everything seems happenstance until that stuff happens at the end, right? Like, so it's happenstance that he breaks the, the handcuffs and, and kills her, but is it because she had everything set up so that if she died, it would be fine? Like, well, not question... fine, but that everyone would get what was coming to them as far as legal... I mean, it's uh, yeah. because in that decision, it's allowing him to have another experience of po power over power over another. Right. Like, so like in entering into that, right, the way we see that play out is that she has prepared for this scenario where he is going to repeat the actions in another way. And again, like, but I think for so her, it's unsettling. It, I, yeah, 100%. It's unsettling, but I think for her, it was more of like, I'm sacrificing what little I consider I have left of my life in order to ruin a, these people who, who ruin my and my friend's life. But she can't even bank on that, right? Like she's seen right. the system fail. The system has failed over the, and over again. Well, I, I don't and she, so, I think she she made no. So like, I think one of the things that I think was very smart is that they do give you a little nugget that this is not going to fail because she sent the, the, the phone necklace. to the and well, she said, well, she sent the phone to the lawyer. Right. Yes. But there's like there's like she made sure there was evidence. She made sure there was evidence. She made. Yeah. And, and yeah, you're right there. But I think. I think they are trying to tell you that in this case, they're they. And now the system will work. No, because <laughs> I don't think they think the system will work. But my point is, this because a, I, there is a, this is my question. D did she ever plan to come back from that cabin? Because she say she carves Nina's name into his body and then leaves. Is well, what is what is that ultimately do well, to him if do you know what I mean is she still gonna do you know what I mean is she still gonna go with that video then to people or not go with that and and she people? throws the license plate into the woods which I I wasn't quite sure why she did that I thought it was that if somehow they found her car that so she separated the two pieces of the car right so that like so what's she planning if they on found being her killed? right they? The guys, the, the guys, if the guys so located her car, there'd be evidence that her car was there, was there at some point, which they must have gotten rid of their car. But the, so but that goes back to their question. Did I, I mean, that's an interesting question to me, like that. Oh, I, this yeah. is a film. I, I don't understand what you're saying too, Katie, that I this is a film I'll rewatch. And I wonder see, I won't mm -hmm. you see. I, I think no, I And that's so I was thinking about that, Brian, because of like the way that you've discussed what gets an A, what gets an A plus, what gets an A minus. I, I 
don't think this film is rewatchable. I think it's one of those movies that you watch and it is impactful. Um, and I, I, I agree with Jim. I'm interested to see where the director goes from here. I, I really enjoyed her vision for the movie. Mm. Why would you rewatch it? I, I just for from technical perspective, I think I, there's like some brilliant. I think stuff that's really interesting. It. I think like, it is such an emotionally difficult movie that it's hard to separate only, that from from the art of it. I don't know. It was for me. It was like the we've talked about the Saving Private Ryan effect of like I watched Saving Private Ryan. And I said that was a really good movie, and I'm never going to watch it again. Yeah, it can be. I mean, I, I, I like I, I, how you how do you go back through it? Or is the is the one that I remember. For me, I think I can rewatch re Saving Private Ryan um, because the there, there's tough. yeah, there, it's tough. But there's also that is a different experience, though, because I feel like that movie specifically, there's an honor of of the men and women that were there on that. Yes. beach. Yeah. And so, like, I feel like watching it, I'm not just overcome with sadness. There is there is an immense gratitude that comes from watching that movie yeah. as well. Which is well, really what that movie's all about is gratitude. Yeah. Well, and we've yeah, talked so about this also with, I mean, you know, we, we've been watching a lot of movies this year that really dig into racial injustice in America. Yes. And we've talked about how hard it is to sit in that, but that especially living in white skin, that that is, that is necessary work, yeah. right? Like that you have to do it. You've got to do it. And I hope that movies like Judas and the Black Messiah get a larger audience and that people keep coming back to them because I think the message there and the artistic form that it is told in yeah. are both so important. I struggled with this movie feeling like it is very artistically done and I liked most of what it was saying and then I felt like it went off the rails at the end. But, that's, it, but, but that is the point for you, no, I you're think right. personally. You're right. And well, I compared it. I was thinking about it in terms of everything comes back to To Kill a Mockingbird for me. Right. Yeah. So in To Kill a Mockingbird, one of the biggest criticisms is that your Tom Robinson um, is imprisoned and then dies yeah. in prison. Right. And a lot of people really struggle with that, that he tries to escape and he's shot. Um, and you and to me, you speak through that as they're. There was no hope. There was no hope. If you were a black man in the 1950s accused of raping a white white woman, it didn't matter what played out in terms of a court of law. You were dead. Yeah. You were a dead man. And so there was not going to be an appeal. It didn't there. It didn't matter. Um, I was thinking about that in regards to this movie and what it's trying to say about survivors, right? Survivors of sexual assault, that it doesn't matter what happens to the attackers, to the people that perpetrate these crimes and allow these crimes to happen, that for survivors and their families, there is no, there is no coming back. Right. There, it is, it is a death. It, it is a form of a death. Right, you have lost part of yourself. That's the only, that. So I, I was thinking about it in that framework. Um, but again, that little like, the little happy twist at the end is what i kept getting stuck on i don't I, do you think it's happy though? I, I don't think it's happy but it is it's i, I go with so you mean. where 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 this movie is really grounded in a lot of ways that rings of like early to mid 90s like popcorn cheese movie yeah. like cruel intentions or, yes, or like yes or like exactly what, what's the one thinking. with um with uh, Bill Murray and Kevin Bacon. And oh, Wild Things. Wild Things. Yes. It's got this, like, Twisty. which is yeah, fine, because I, I think I think a lot of that, a lot of the aesthetic sort of ties into those kinds yes. of movies as well. Sure. But it is a little bit of, like, all of a sudden, like, I don't know. It's what you expect Veronica Mars to be. Yeah. And then that takes it to like more of a noir level. Yeah. Whereas this got like poppy in the end. Yeah. After a really heavy murder scene. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. And and uh, yeah, I I I understand why you wouldn't like that. Yeah. I, I don't have as huge a problem with it, but because I'm okay with thinking that she at least had the foresight to figure out a way to 
to get at least some of what she wanted some to of what she wanted yeah yeah Unf- yeah and and you're like i can't help but think obviously of of her parents and molly shannon the the parent and nina's mother yeah um yeah yeah it's 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 uh it's a tough movie i i have to say though I, it was funny because I was watching The Office other the other day and it was like Michael Scott was talking about like relationships and how he based everything off of like, no, this is how I should be treated. Like men are treated in romantic comedies and, you know, things like that. But this there weren't movies like this made when this director would have been growing. Right. right. It's like it was always through the male lens. It the expectation the women were always there to service men in some way as a character or a story. So the, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's a fairly important film for people to see in, in, in particular, I think it's an important film for males to see and really sit oh, yeah. and, and, and be uncomfortable with it because that those types of movies weren't being made. I feel like they were to actually talk about this on how did this get made during their Jade episode um, with like David Crusoe, the David Crusoe movie, but it was like, the 90s, where every movie, a woman was just going to willingly give oral sex to any man in a movie without even knowing. And but that's what like every movie was. And I don't think it's shocking that we now see all these directors or producers, excuse me, from the 90s who are making all these movies are now being charged with, you know, sexual misconduct. And they, they like built a system which perpetuated yeah. something that people were seeing and, and growing up watching and saying, well, this is life. This is what it's supposed to be. But so I, if nothing else, I like, I appreciate that somebody made something like this for flaws that may or may not be in it. I, I, I think sitting in the uncomfortableness of this movie can serve an important thing. I, I don't know. We can go showing like 12 year olds it, but right. I, I do think, do that, you think you that know, men are going to watch this movie? I mean, men that aren't already sort of there. I don't think high right. So here's the thing: if you showed this to a bunch <laughs> of high school women students, women are going to watch this movie. No, I and- think, but but I, agreed. But I also think that it will have like not. I don't want to say the opposite effect, but I feel like, like, I don't want to say it'll have like the Travis Bickle effect, which is like people will watch Taxi Driver not understand that he is not someone to be admired or like right, revered. Right, right. But I feel like people that would watch this movie under a certain age would not understand what's trying to be communicated. Absolutely. Here. I agree with you with that. Yeah. But I'm, I'm just wondering. And I don't I, know that they would see themselves in those yes, male characters. I, I was also wondering is, that. They would be defensive. Right. right. How, how much no, because I, I got to be honest, like watching this, I'm, th- I, you know, I'm wondering like, I, I know that I never did anything like any of those guys like picking up anyone at a bar but then i start to examine like all the little smaller interactions that i've had over the years and i'm like was any of that even like yeah and so that's great i think everyone should should go through that experience i am wondering how that and i don't think it's the job of the movie to 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 make young men understand no, agreed. This, completely right? agreed i just think it's yeah. nice that there's something out there but to the that point is finally presenting right a point of view that 100 completely underrepresented in all yeah, media and absolutely. we haven't talked about it. i know brian put it on the on the list but on um comparing it to midsummer which for me there's not much of a comparison other than the fact that it deals with male female interactions and is shot in a way that makes it interesting because yeah, i think the- midsummer for me is is exponentially more rewatchable yeah because these are not horrible people they are just selfish and self-absorbed mm-hmm. and moving in a way well yeah. But you also, so it's a completely different end, right? But when you think about the emotional journey you go on, she experiences great tragedy 
and then is hurt by the person she loves. Yeah. And she gets vengeance. Fucking and, burns and him alive you, yeah, in a goddamn you, bear suit. But about it's it. not even to me. That's not vengeance. That, oh, no, Midsummer's not a vengeance movie. What do you think? It's a choice of community over. Yes. It's a community. It's choice of finding her family over another. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. see. I thought those two things collided. I did. I didn't think it was. Mm, I thought yeah. she. She allowed that to happen, not just because she wanted to be a part of the group. I do agree that there was probably part of her that was, was pissed him. off in that moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Well, it, but Emerald. Yeah. No, you're right. Said, you're right. You're right. You're right. She said not so much as a comparison, but she said she was did, was doing an interview with an Irish newspaper, and she said movies she was watching prior to this that really inspired her were Midsummer was one um, that. Well, uh, the and, Killing and, of a Sacred Deer, which is Yargis, who we love, who did the favorite. And then also Night of the Hunter, which is a Criterion collection film, if you want to see it. And those just like influenced some of her visuals or, right. or feelings in terms the, of what she was doing. There's no nuance in this movie. No. Right. Like, I think that's the thing that Midsummer does so well is that the interpersonal relationships are so nuanced and deep in a way that like but are also recognizable, right? Where you can say like, oh, I understand why he's, why he's jealous that this guy is trying to do his same thesis in a way and why Christian is such a fucking wet napkin that he'll just grab onto anything around him that sort of gives him any kind of identity. Um, yeah, we, we don't get that much character. Right, yeah. right. And, and But that I think that's purposeful. Yeah. I do think that that's a choice. And it serves this movie well. It's just that I wonder if there is a little bit of like I guess with the Bo Burnham character, you do sort of get an identity to at least one of these guys that is mm. not just a perpetrator. I don't know. Well, I don't know though, because at the end you end up questioning how much of what you've seen of him is his true self, right? That like has she well she, i think that's what she's trying to say is that like yeah no I, I don't even think that she's romanticized i wonder that like i wonder if they're playing with the idea that like these men are not even conscious of the fact yes that they are awful people yes he would he would say that he is one of those people that right. gets it Yes. Right? I that mean, respects that women he, and would never yeah. take advantage of but, somebody. I mean, the fact but we that, see the moment at the freaking apartment where he's like, what a coincidence. I was like, you're an asshole. Yeah, but you know what? The part that to <laughs> me was what like Aileen and I were talking there, about this. Oh, we just happened to be walking past my apartment building. Oh, right, 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 come right, right, right. Her, yeah. instinct, her instinct there was yeah, right. But I think yes. I she think, came back on it. I think, but we both thought in that moment that it was... I don't think that serves this movie, that scene. I agree. I think that that gives you the ability to put that in my face right now when I brought up the good point. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but you're right. You're right to do that because, it, because no, but she's right to do that because yeah. it does show that he was kind of like a, a shithead, a weirdo. Yeah. yeah. Did they need that though? To no. Well, it depends. I think it's, I think it's more who he's supposed to really be. I think it's more powerful if they didn't do that. Yeah. Fair. I mean, Aileen and I were talking about like the I did the nature think of who he is, though, beyond that scene, which makes him look at the fact that he would go to that fucking wedding when he knows that's it, that she was. That, that's it. Right. You know, and like, so he's the not the person she's seen. Him, that's not really him. Yeah. That's the one who's like, singing Paris. Hilton he's, well, him in the yeah, store he's not. not he's not his self with her. Well, that will. Well, no, I. I will. I'm not going to argue that he's not himself with her. I I do think that he at least thinks he is himself with her. But at that moment where he goes to the wedding, he's on the other side at that point, right? Like he he has grouped himself in with them. Yes, because he knows that she's missing after going to that party. Well, but and we he's he's already lied to the police about it. We don't get the impression though that that was a shift for him, right? Like. Like when he says, I, I, when he talks about his relationship with those guys, you get the impression that they're all still friendly. They're so, friendly, but he's not like on the, so like I didn't, so 
let, let let's talk about Bo Burnham's character just for a minute. I know we're going extra long, but no, we're not actually extra long. We're good. He, I don't get the feeling that he was at a party like that where someone was raped multiple times, or that since that moment he was like one of the Adam Brody or or um, McLovin characters. Mm. I don't. I, I you just think he was present for something like that. Right, but I Wasn't do. It, but he but I, he he was tacitly a, a part of that system right. that allowed things like right. that to and occur because he didn't step up at right. that time. I think it's. Imp- I think it would be for me. It's more impactful to think about his character as being someone who m- may have had an awful insane lapse in judgment at a certain mm. point in the past and never really thought about it since mm. then. And then when the police come, he lies about it, feeling however he could lose he, he could lose his life, whatever yeah. his his and yeah, it's 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 interesting to me. Like I feel like that giving giving him an out as a as a bad creepy predator guy i think doesn't serve this movie i think i think showing him as like someone who actually is capable of being redeemed but doesn't choose that mm-hmm. is more realistic right like yeah i i mean i think it's and there there's just a lot to think through about his character and i don't know if we can do it all in this episode but you know I think in every life there are people that you meet who reveal themselves to you in some sort of a way and you discover like, here's my line. Now I get to decide whether I'm going to take action on that thing that Mm -hmm. I saw that I was a part of, or if I'm just going to, we're going to shut this down and we we are not going to talk to each other anymore. Like you're, you're not a person that I can associate with. And I think we've all had those sorts of sort of experiences in our growing up years of, you know, yeah. realizing that somebody that's in your social circle is not the kind of person that you should be with. Right. Like Brian. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Still amazed. We kept you around. All these years. But like, um, I think th- so that's a telling piece yeah. of his character that that not only did he stay in the experience of watching a woman be raped repeatedly, but he also remained in contact with those people. I think it's, yeah, and I'll take it even a step further. It's not even, it's not revealing of his character only. It's also revealing in the culture and the world around them that one, none of them thought of it as rape. Yes. Two, None of them had even thought about it. Even though they all know that, and I'm assuming that Nina had committed suicide. I think yeah. that's implied I'm enough. Implied, agreed, yeah. yes. And the idea that there was this, like, I was just a kid thing is mentioned moments a lot. And there are, you know, real events in recent history where white males of a certain age have gotten off from committing rape because they were just a kid or they looked like a good guy or they seem like a good kid. And it's not just Bo Burnham's character that is leading him on this path. It's everything set up around him to like allow him to be that. You're absolutely right. And, and again, the women also play a part in this, in, in the system, in, you know, there there is a societal piece of blaming the victim, of saying that, you know, somebody's past experiences, the way that they dress, how much they drink plays any sort of a role yeah. in whether there is any responsibility in somebody else assaulting them. Yeah. You know, and so I I I do think that this movie does a great service in bringing all of those pieces to the surface and sh- and showing all of the people that are complicit in continuing on these horrendous I, you know one in five women is is a survivor survivor of sexual assault in our society like 
that statistic should make us all furious, right? Um, And so absolutely, I think this movie is a must watch. I don't think I can watch it again. Well, that's Um, understand. I think, listen, I. The uncomfortable nature of it. It can be too much. I could I could see this as a one and done film for people. You know, there's lots of those movies. There's something that I, I, I wonder if on a, another viewing of it, are there other things you pick up besides it? Because the first watch of just knowing where the story is going to end is pretty heavy. You know, it, it sits with you for days. Um, but I, I just like this year, I'm thrilled with films like this and Judas and the Black Messiah and, you know, uh, Minari, which deals with Asia. You know, you're getting these just finely films that are just showing stories of people you know we're we're hearing the voices that have been silenced for years by the movie industry but but for years it was like they would maybe do a big budget like maybe they give spike lee money to go do malcolm x right but there was it was just like we're going to do this big budget because denzel will do it and it's going to be on this big known figure in history because we know we're going to be able to sell tickets for it like this the, the fact that a film like this gets financed this is n- not necessarily a, a hugely bankable film when you read that screenplay, but it's it's a wildly impressive film for a first time filmmaker. I can't wait. Like the same thing with the I can't remember um, the Judas and Black Messiah directors now, but one of Shaka his first King. big features. Yeah, his first feature. Um, Regina King, when we did One oh. Night Miami, her first is it feature. Shaka King? Am I am I confusing I Regina think, King? No, I think you're right. No, but. Those three, all first-time filmmakers that yeah. we've seen, no, that films is really this exciting. year, which is amazing, yeah. and to see them all nominated for Oscars. No, th- this this movie is is an achievement. Um, but I I'm excited to see where she goes from here. We should at least say that the acting in this movie, besides Max Greenwell, is pretty yes, great. Absolutely, I, and I think yeah. this yeah. was a I, choice. I, I, I think do, it's... but it was so. Schmidt is not a brotastic character on that show. And it's a hugely popular show. It is not like a, it is not something that right. is, under the radar. Right. Yeah. So when I did love when he started running away. I was like, go get but that that's the fucker. Schmidt. Like I'm know, sneaking out of here. And not because I'm yeah. too uncomfortable fucker. to be You're around. Yeah, even it's, that, like, it's like having Steve Carell show up in a movie and just play Michael, Michael Scott. Scott. Yeah. Like, it'd be, it'd it is be very really jarring. Weird. Yeah. It, it's like suddenly Michael. So Scott like, to me, it would be more like to give a little shout out to our other podcast, Shit's Creek. It'd be like David Rose because there's a physicalness and, and, and and his facial expressions and everything. That is exactly, and we know for a fact that Max Greenwell can do other characters because he's, he's on Veronica Mars. He's on Veronica Mars as Leo. See, they I always think of him as Leo, and it would have I been much think less. Of him as Leo. And if they ever do another limited run, you know he's coming back because they're gonna f- f- they're gonna get it yeah. on. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> they're gonna get on. I was thinking things. more of a, like a buddy cop movie between him and oh, Veronica well, tracking someone too. down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, it's time that for uh, King of the Hill or Bottom of the Barrel. Well, we'll throw Bottom of the Barrel out because yet again, we found another film that isn't even anywhere near <laughs> Not as bad anywhere near as it. Chris Monero's The Rookie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, a huge shout out to Chris Monero, whose actual baseball team that he coaches is significantly better than the film The Rookie. <laughs> so we're thrilled for him in that. He has much better job of a coach than of picking a baseball. <laughs> yeah. uh, where do we place this? Higher or lower than Judas and the Black Messiah? Mm. Katie. I'm going to have a hard time beating Judas and the Black Messiah this year. Um, That movie just took me on a, like a full experience. I am excited to watch it again. I, I am still thinking about that movie. um, So that's still going to be my King of the Hill. Uh, I, I agree. I'm not, for, I think I will find, hopefully we'll find a movie that will surpass Judas and the Black Messiah, but I don't think it's this one for me. Okay. I think it's right up there, but I would put this over it. Um, I've now seen five of the Academy Awards. I would put Judas and the Black Messiah slightly below, though I think I'd have to watch them probably each one more time, and then I feel like I could give... Um, but I did start to question if I liked this more than my 
number one Oscar film pick for the year, Mm -hmm. which we'll be talking about in our next episode. Uh, All right. It's time for five questions. Oh. Which button? button? (laughs) That's game of the week. We don't do that anymore. anymore. (laughs) Might want to eliminate that one. You want answers? I want the truth. Makes a man, Mr. Lebowski. What the fuck is the internet? All right, time for five questions. This week, Katie is asking Jim questions, so nothing could go wrong here. (laughs) (laughs) Won't lead to any sort of problems here. We're going to enjoy these questions. Jim, uh, thumbs up or thumbs down on men? Thumbs down. We're awful. Yeah, I know. Pretty much everything. I agree. All right. Moving on to the would you rather question. Would you rather have all of your furniture covered in plastic or have the main color of the interior of our house be pink? I went through a thing with this. I know. So (laughs) I I immediately thought, oh my God, pink would give me migraine. Like I would have migraines all the time. Uh But then I thought about the summer and sitting on a couch (laughs) that is plastic and like that behind Mm -hmm. the knee sweat that would be like stuck on the plastic. Yep. I think I would learn to deal with the pink house Mm -hmm. more than the plastic. I agree. Yeah. All right. We're going pink. Uh, Question number three. This is a fill in the blank question. The job I dreamed of having when I was a kid was. There's a distinction here. Not an archaeologist, but Indiana Jones. (laughs) (laughs) To be clear, a very special type. A womanized. I want to. have a Nazi a Nazi holding my head down to a bar where there's whiskey that's lit on fire uh-huh. coming towards my face. Yes. And then I ask the woman that I love who's hiding behind the bar yeah. to give me a whiskey bottle so I can hit the Nazi <laughs> over the head. Love it. I like it. I like picturing you with that hat. Well, I had a hat. I had oh, yeah. the hat. I had a staff of Ra, which my grandfather carved the top so that yes. I had a belt buckle that would hook into it so I can hold it and like... Like in the map room in Egypt, and and the light would shine through. And we it. know you tied a boulder, to, a fake boulder, to your leg and ran down the stairs. At your it house. was a wiffle ball, but I will tell you <laughs> that it was not a normal size wiffle ball. It was one of the bigger ones. Okay, Brian, you smartass. And you had your also, mom play the role of Mary. That is true, and she would. She still remembers the lines because I made her recite them, and she's a Indiana Jones. You got a lot of nerve showing your face around here. And there's a part in that scene where she slaps him across the face. And apparently I would get furious that my mom would not slap me across the face. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I love little Jim and big Jim. Question number four. Favorite question. Uh, What is the favorite costume that you have ever worn? I am not a big costume person. But you do have a few to choose from. I do. And I don't know whether I go for like when I felt the coolest or where I felt. I don't know because mm. I don't feel mm-hmm. cool wearing a costume so much. Mm. Okay. Um, my Spider-Man Noir was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the three that popped in my head was that Spider-Man Noir mm-hmm. from Spider-Verse. Um, the My sort of dude-esque costume from our white trash party mm-hmm. in Maniunk. Mm-hmm. And my Angus Young schoolboy with guitar. That's a good one. Yeah. You didn't include any of your childhood costumes in that. I didn't. Uh, yeah, I had some good ones. I Mac, know you did. Mac Tonight was a good one, if you mm-hmm. remember the, I do. the, the McDonald's commercial yep. with the moon. Ooh, I, I was him yeah, one Halloween. Um, I, oh, Waldo. Waldo mm-hmm. was a great one. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, that was probably my favorite because that was uh, high school. And yeah, that was a good one. I was Where's Waldo? Yeah, you were a cute Waldo. Yeah. And our final question Deep Thoughts. If you could go back in time and give young Jim DeSanto advice about women, Mm -hmm. what would it be? I would just say I would go back to like middle of high school, maybe, maybe freshman year of high school, even earlier, you know, and say, stop trying so hard with the women and try harder with the guitar (laughs) and everything will be fun. That's very good advice. That was great. It's great. That's great <laughs> That's advice. Because I didn't even start playing guitar till I was a senior, so it would have. Yeah, that the would sooner be, the better. If I had an extra four years, I pr- yeah, my, we would have a whole different life. Hold uh, on, we'd probably be poor. 
if I if I if I if I had enough skill to to think of myself as a yeah, musician that can make money, we would screwed. be broke. This be is awful. very true. Yeah. Um, does anybody have any recommendations for this week? Anything they've been eating, watching, drinking, seeing? Peloton bike? Are you enjoying? Ooh, it? Oh yeah, we Peloton. love our Peloton. It is, we do. Uh, we love yeah. our Peloton. Yeah. I finished Trevor Noah's Born a Crime. It's excellent. I recommend everybody read it. It's very good. I have not watched anything. I haven't We're really done, done anything. anything. Oh, God. Right. And I'm also in the middle of watching Transparent on Amazon. Oh, Transparent. Phenomenal. Ooh, good. Very good. It's yeah. phenomenal. Jeffrey Tambor. My is God. And Judith piece. Light. So, so Judith good. Judith Light is amazing. And um, uh, I always forget that. That's the Duplass brother. Yeah. The yes. other Duplass brother. The other brother. Duplass. <laughs> The other two. Yeah. I'm sure he'll love that. Well, we'll I don't think he next. acts as much we'll as his brother. No, he's always he's usually uh, like writing, yeah, he writing and directing. As as the writer this one. is the he first is. time I've seen him as an actor. Uh, I would recommend The Night of the Hunter, which is a Criterion uh, selection. I actually had never seen it, and I watched it on the Criterion channel this year, and it was one of the big inspirations for this film in terms of the visual style and stuff. Disturbing. Uh, Robert Mitchum... Charles Lawton directed it. Highly recommended if you've never seen it. And also another one that I watched last year that I loved was Carrie Mulligan and Ryan Gosling in Drive. If you've never seen Drive, never seen it. See Drive. Awesome, awesome movie. All right. Um, yeah. Remember, like, share, subscribe, review all those wonderful things. Check out our newest episode of the shit show, our Shit's Creek podcast, where we go through each episode. Lots of positive feedback. For that show recently. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, very exciting. <laughs> and uh, we'll see everybody soon. Bye, right. commenters. Bye, everyone. Bye.